Welcome to The Culture Factor, where we talk to founders and influential leaders about company culture. We share stories from the C-suite that help executives engage their business from the inside and create a map to transform their culture. Because the truth is, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I want to thank our listeners for joining The Culture Factor and ask that you subscribe, rate, and consider leaving a review. We'd love to hear who you'd like to listen to next. And a thank you to our sponsor, Company Tribes. They have an app and a virtual experience to help keep your tribe together during difficult times like now and business as usual. How strong is your company culture? Reach out to Paul at companytribes.com. Rich Tuckwell Scuda is the chief operating officer at Platinum Companies. He's out to help revolutionize the hotel sector with everything he does. And his effectiveness in a struggling industry is nothing short of miraculous. His superpower may be in recognizing the diverse and unique strengths of his talent pool. Or perhaps it is the respect he bestows upon every employee, regardless of role. Nevertheless, Rich has some definite opinions on company culture and how it has served him as the best strategy a company can deploy. And today, we welcome him to The Culture Factor. Hi, Rich. Hello. Lovely to be here. Oh, we're really happy to have you, and we're co-hosting today with Paul Jones. Hello there. Hello, Rich. It is always a pleasure to have you and, ta- and chat with you. I'm so excited to get into it with you today. Likewise, likewise. All right. So, hey, tell, tell the audience a little bit, um, you know, in the hotel industry, occupancy is one of those metrics that really kind of measures success. So can you give us an overview? Give us a little bit of an overview on Platinum Co., uh, the type of properties you guys have. And then if you could just dive into what your occupancy was when we went into COVID and where it's at now, uh, I think that'll give us a great baseline as we start this conversation. Yeah, sure, no problem at all. Um, so, so kind of pre-COVID, we we as a group, so, so we have um, thirteen mid-range uh, select service hotels and one and, and a full range, a uh, full service. Um, we're predominantly Marriott, Hilton, and IHGs, so we have a certain amount of control mechanisms inside inside the properties that come from brand. Um, we also do all of our own digital marketing. Um, for all of the hotels internally um, using our agency. Uh, when, before COVID, we were sitting about sort of 75, 80% occupancy, so standard, middle of the road. Um, I joined the group in January, um, and my purpose of coming into the company, I was brought in by the family office that, that owned the group, um, was to kind of have a culture shift inside the business, um, look at maximizing our revenues, look at um, how we engage our employees, how we can, can, can do better. Um, and how we can obviously increase revenue and, and minimize costs. Uh, then uh, halfway through that process, COVID happened. So uh, you had your hands full. Oh, it was done. I mean, it was just uh, we went from seventy-five, eighty percent occupancy to six percent occupancy overnight, like the rest of the the world. Um, but we had already at that point started analyzing the staffing structure, and we knew that the hotels were fairly bloated with staff anyway, and there was going to need to be. I don't want to say a call, but there was going to need to be a realignment of, of, of team members. Um, and it was possibly that the the GMs that were operating some of our properties weren't really focusing on their talent pool and what they had internally and were just overstaffing it rather than paying attention. Um, so COVID came in, that kind of wiped out everything um, and we had to um, term over 300 staff, um, which we'd already started doing before COVID, but COVID meant we lost another 200 that we weren't planning on. Um, and so we went from being 400 to being 120 overnight. Um, 
and that that's a huge shift um, in mentality and culture. Um, everybody overnight became fearful of their jobs. Everybody knew everybody knew a dozen people that had lost their jobs overnight, and we were hemorrhaging staff as well. So um, the first thing we kind of did was was take the remaining staff aside, and we did a big um, sort of like outreach to everybody, saying, "Hey, the, where we are now." is where we are going to be for the next three to six months. So don't worry because we have enough funds in the business to keep all the hotels open, operating at almost no occupancy. Um, we've stockpiled enough cash to keep everybody's jobs. So now we need to focus on the fact that, yes, COVID is a terrible, terrible incident, incident in, the, in the world and it's nothing we've ever seen, but this is our chance to press reset. And, and actually, we went into COVID knowing we were broken and we need to go through COVID mending it, and we need to come out the other side fixed and stronger and more aligned and better equipped and a better company and a better team. Um, and I was super lucky in the fact that I had 120 people that went, okay, cool, how do we do that then? You show us. Um, we had no, no pushback. Everybody just went, okay, we trust you. If we're keeping a job, then we trust you and we'll do what we need to do. Um, and that kind of, and we sort of, we, we killed digital marketing for a couple of weeks and then we started actively targeting FEMA, the National Guard. We started, my, my sales and, and marketing director, my, my e-commerce director is amazing. Um, and she absolutely looked at the best ways to maximize our occupancy um, by doing government structures and government schemes. And with it, well, but by, by mid-April, we were back up to 50% of occupancy. Um, May kind of, we sat in, in the mid-50s. This month, we are, we are hitting 60s. Um, I have amazing. four or five properties that are sat at 95% occupancy. I have an, an airport hotel that drags my average down because nobody is flying. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I would say half our group are over average occupancy for the month of 60 percent that might improve in uh july because actually the airlines are starting to really fill up mm. with flights yeah so yeah that... absolutely um and one of my other properties is a resort property in in uh, florida that we were super lucky because we were the only one that didn't close we kept that property at 90 100 occupancy pretty much through the entire of COVID, um, obviously um, adhering to social distancing and, and all of sort of that stuff. Um, and there was other properties around as well, and that one's dropped a little bit because the market just is not there at the moment because again, people can't fly in. It's a drive only market, the Panhandle, so it's, it's difficult to get that property when, uh, when you don't have a, a big transient market moving. But yeah, I mean, we've come out the other side, oh, and I say come out the other side of it, we're not out the other side of COVID yet. We've still probably got at least another three to six months of it, but we are in a position where quite honestly, with everything we've done with the group and, our, and the team, we're in a position where we're financially better than we were now at the occupants who we are now than we were pre-COVID. Wow. So, and we're, we're re-recruiting now, we're bringing more people back. We'll have another 80 members of staff on board, reboarded, um, by probably the end of this month, beginning of next. Rich, that's amazing. Um, you know, I would actually want to dive in a little further now into your company culture because obviously you've been working hand in hand with that um, smaller staff and now you're ramping back up. So one of the um, 
pieces of this is your open door policy and mm-hmm. that you have always um, walked the walk uh, company culture and why they probably brought you in to, to do that. So can you elaborate a little bit on how you, how you employed, how you deployed that, sorry, um, over the past few months and how you're going to do that going into the months ahead? Um, yeah, I mean, we, um, when I came into the company, it was very siloed. So, so nobody really spoke to anybody, um, you know, financials were kept within inside finance. Nobody really inside the business knew that HR stuck to HR. Um, the hotels kind of ran as independent entities with a, with a regional that oversaw them and they sat inside their little boxes. Um, and the first thing I did when I came into the business was say, no, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. Um, so I did a tour of all of our properties. I met with every single person on, on site, almost, um, your housekeepers up and kind of said to everybody, here, here, here's my number. Here's my email. I'm with the business. You have something that's a problem. Obviously, you know, go, go the appropriate channel, but know that you can always reach me. Know that you can always speak to me. I'll always listen. I'll always look. If you bring a problem to me or an issue, um, I will always look at it for you. I won't just fob you off or, or delegate it to somebody else to do. And internally, I now want you to all start monitoring each other. So I want you to look at and look after each other. And if you see somebody is struggling, if you see somebody is falling down, if you see somebody's work isn't up to scratch, you bring it to their attention as well as everybody else's. And let's work as a team, not as an individual, because actually the only way we can improve the organization and the only way we can move forward is if we are one unit, not 13 separate units and a corporate entity. and as I say, I mean, we, we looked into a couple of practices that were employed by some of our senior team that, that didn't match what, what I believe is a good culture. And so those individuals were, were kind of removed from the organization. And that overnight has massively changed the way that people move around the organization. Um, we have a very open culture. Um, so not only me, I mean, everybody can approach me, but everybody will, will speak to our regionals. Our GMs will speak to the regionals and they'll speak to me. Um, we now announce financial results for the group per individual property out to the individual property right the way down. So everybody knows the financial performance within the, within the group now and why we make the decisions we make and why we do the things we do. And we make everybody accountable. Um, and so kind of we we have sort of like a monthly meeting we have a, a, a weekly meeting the team members inside the hotels now have daily meetings we call them huddles but obviously they're not huddles anymore because they'll have to be six foot apart so they're kind of like socially distanced huddles um, right and um which is an odd, <laughs> odd way of doing things anyway. you, you could probably call those uh maybe just standings Instead yeah, of <laughs> yeah, arms length groupings. Arms <laughs> length groupings. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ga- gatherings in the same place, um, <laughs> and um, and everybody is encouraged to kind of look at everything within the business. And and it's really bizarre. After our last conversation, um, I had another. So I have quite a lot of these instances because this is the, the way we operate is quite unique inside hospitality. And so people aren't used to being able to go straight to the CEO over something. Um, and I had a situation on Friday after we spoke where one of our maintenance engineers came to me and said, okay, 
I need to have a conversation with you about something. I've had these two housekeepers come up to me. They're massively overworked. They, you know, they're, they're, they can't cope. They, they don't want to speak to you because they're worried. And, and he kind of gave me all these stats. And I was like, hey, just you leave it with me. I'm going to look at this now. Um, and so we kind of spent 20 minutes, I'd spent 20 minutes analyzing our, our HR. And of, of course it wasn't the case because we, we have metrics in place to mean that people won't be overworked. So I went back to him and said, okay, so you know, without, without giving too much information away, cause this is confidential. Um, no, these, these people are not overworked. They haven't worked more than 45 hours a week for the last 12 weeks. Um, they're not underpaid. They are actually two of the higher paid housekeepers within the entire company. Um, they haven't worked seven days a week. They've worked five and a half days a week max and they've both signed up for that and actually have requested it so i'm going to reach out to them i'm going to find out why they're saying this because obviously there's something broken there and it's slightly concerning that they are the only two people in the organization that don't feel they can reach out to me and so we contacted them and it's just a fatigue thing and, and it turns out that they just, you know, they're, they're tired. They, they, they normally work 35-hour weeks and they've signed up to do 10 hours more because they wanted to ensure that they were indispensable, which is lovely that they do that. But it, it has a knock-on effect because these people aren't worth, used to working 45 hours a week. Um, and by just speaking to them, immediately the situation is diffused. Um, we reached out to somebody else that we'd let go um, during COVID, brought them straight in assigned 20 hours a week to them and, and, and both housekeepers are now back down to 35 hours which is actually what they're more comfortable doing and immediately because of the culture within the business of somebody feeling that they can reach out to us immediately and have that conversation we diffuse the situation and we ensure that we keep our, our team happy what that also led to was me tasking hr with doing a, a salary comparison across all of our sectors and we identified 20 members of staff in the group under that 120 that we feel should be paid more so we gave instant pay rises and 20 people got an email on friday saying hey guess what you're getting a dollar extra an hour now because we've just realized that you're probably under what we wanted to be paying you you're still over what we should be paying you but you're under where we pay everybody else so we're going to bring you up in line with everybody else you know, good, the good things happen by people feeling like they can speak to you and identifying those things. And so it's yet another case where we look at how much would it cost us in HR costs and recruitment costs to re-employ those two housekeepers or those 20 people significantly more than just giving 20 people a slight pay increase and reaching out to two housekeepers and saying, hey, we hear your pain. What can we do to do about that? You know, what's interesting is you... Um told them from the beginning that you want them to be part of your success, mm. you know, that, that they're part of the, the new team and, um, and you're showing that they like financially <laughs> at mm. the end, you not only gave them, you know, gave them their job, you know, they were not let go, but you know, you're, you're actually identifying that they're, they're part of the success over these past three months and you want to make sure they're rewarded going forward. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, and one of the things uh, we're actually announcing it later on today to the entire company. So we're about to bring in a completely European, which is nothing to do with my accent, um, but just is something that I've done at every <laughs> company I've ever had. Um, we're about to bring in a completely European um, benefit system, which now means that we're increasing the, the entire company's holidays. It doesn't matter it, what, whatever level you are at the business, um, you automatically get 21 days paid holiday a year. You get 14, paid, uh, 14 days paid sick leave, paternity, maternity leave, um, uh, compassionate leave is all being brought in. And we're just bringing in a raft of 
new things to say, hey, we know that for the last three, four months, you've all worked your socks off to keep these doors open for us. We know you've gone above and beyond the your call of duties for, for what we needed you to do. And now we're saying thank you. And everybody coming into the business now is going to get a completely different package to what we've been running on because we've identified that actually life has changed. You know, weeks are going to be longer. People are going to get more tired. And so you need to be able to take more leave and that can't affect your salary. I, I can't have housekeepers feeling like they can't take time off because they can't afford to not get paid. So now we're going to open that up to everybody else. It will cost the company around half a million dollars but it is absolutely worth every penny of it. And we have saved so much money with all of the other cost savings that we've done and identifications and, and just by the general shift in culture that we can absolutely afford to do it. So we're just going to give something else back. I love that, that point, Rich. And it seems to me that, you know, one of the first things you did is you, you brought in transparency into the company. So you decoupled this silo or siloed organization. And by doing that, you've created the sense of team across all of your properties mm. And then, you know, you've at some point, you've got to get information to be able to flow up into the executive suite. So it seems like that's what you've been working on now is how do I, how do I make everybody feel like they're on a team? And you've had, mm. it seems to me like you've, you've had to break this idea of role hierarchy inside of your business. Mm. The housekeepers Absolutely. are just as valuable as the executive team is. Everybody is getting the same paid time off. There is no role differentiation. Um, could you dive into how that has impacted your culture? I'm absolutely fascinated um, by that. So, so we have, we, we, they know it's coming. So we haven't announced what it's gonna, what it's gonna actually be. It's gonna, so it gets announced this afternoon. But when we had the original consultation with the team and said, look, this is what we're gonna do. How would that impact you? Um, we have, when I came into the business, we had a 3.2 times churn per year on staff which is insane like we're, we're talking about a hiring losing and rehiring 900 members of staff a year it's wow. ridiculous um and we know that that's because the culture was broken we know that there wasn't enough investment in in listening and 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 so that's kind of why i was brought in and we already know that that just with what we've done now our churn is probably going to drop to 1.5 and we're fairly sure with the new incentives packages with the with the holiday we're also bringing the bonus structure that goes from housekeepers up um that means that so long as we hit various metrics everybody gets rewarded with monthly bonuses and quarterly bonuses based on our success and we're fairly sure that that will take us from a 3.2 times churn to an under one percent churn um, my goal within the business is to have a culture that means that when you come into this business, you are part of a family and you stay. So the only time you should really leave this organization is when you retire. Um, if I can, and I mean, you know, I had um, in my previous company, I, I started the business myself. We had, had a business for 12 years. The same people that were there at the start of that were there at the end of that when we sold the business. Um, and we were a huge business by the end of that. And our average tenure of staff was five years. Um, and in a, in a fast moving tech pace environment, that that's good. Um, and so kind of what I wanted, what I wanted to do with platinum is ensure that we have that as well. I want an organization where my housekeepers feel as valued as the COO does. I want an organization where housekeepers, when they're, when their nieces and nephews say, I want to go into hospitality, say, okay, the place to come is platinum. They will train you, they will bring you, they will carry you through. I want families working for me where they feel that they are safe, valued, 
and that this is the best option for them um, as a group. Because then if you inspire that culture within your business, you A, have an immediate talent pool of people that are willing to learn and push and manage and monitor each other to, for your benefit as well as their own, but you also immediately kill that churn. Um, it, it's just, I th just think in hospitality, it's, I think it's a trick we miss to remember that we constantly say we are a family and it's a home from home and blah, blah, blah. And then we do nothing to encourage people to bring their actual families into the business and say, hey, I, I want you all, you know, if there's 30 of you, come on, <laughs> like, like hell, we'll, yeah. I'll staff a whole hotel, you know? Right. You know, Rich, um, there's a lot of brands out there, a lot of hotel brands, I, you know, having been in, in the industry myself mm. um, and, there's a lot of brands that I think customers actually almost have a hard time differentiating one from the other. It's, it's mm. almost a little bit homogenized on certain levels and certain brands that are out there. What I find interesting is that you, from the inside out, you're differentiating your culture and your talent pool. You're treating them very differently than what is actually typical in the industry. Like you're saying, you know, we were family business community. Everybody likes to say those things, but you're actually really creating that. And so I think in doing that, you're actually differentiating your brand. And mm. I think that the people that work for you are going to be giving a very different product to your customers as they walk in the door. It's not going to be the same product. It might be the same price point as, as some of your competitors, but the product that the customer receives is going to be very different. And I've been on both sides of that fence. So like, I really understand, I understand what hospitality means. <laughs> so yeah. what, I guess what I'm getting at is that in differentiating your brand, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how, you how that, your brand gets elevated amongst its competitors that people are going to be like, yeah, but there's a real sense of family. When I show up at that hotel, it feels different. You know, mm. the housekeeping speaks to me differently. The wait staff speaks to me differently. The GM speaks to me differently. Like you can feel it as a customer. Um, I also think housekeeping uh, is going back to something you said, Paul, you know, it is for me, housekeeping, wait staff, front desk, they are all so much more important in our organization than our C-suite. Mm -hmm. um, I try and engage with guests as much as I can. Um, I try and put things in place that ensure our guests have amazing times and our staff are very happy. But fundamentally, I cannot hit. I mean, last night we had, I think, 700 rooms across out, out last night. I can't hit 700 rooms full of guests in three states. The people that can do that for me are my housekeeping team first thing in the morning when they smile and say good morning. Um, they clean those rooms and they clean them to a better, higher standard without doubt than I would because, I, you know, I mean, I, 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 I've done every job inside a hotel. I pride myself on that, but I'm not a big fan of making beds. So, <laughs> you know, it's, um, uh, I don't say I do it laxadaisily, but, but I probably don't have to say my for details. It's something that does it all day. Um, but, but it's that thing where they are the people that make the difference. They are the people that the guests see. They are the people. And I do not want housekeepers walking through a hallway with their head down, not looking at guests because they don't feel that they are the same level as a GM. Mm -hmm. I want housekeepers that walk down, walk down a hallway, smile at guests, greet them, ask them how their day is going, see if they can do anything for them, ask them how the stay has been. Um, 
I want my housekeepers to recognize repeat guests and speak to them as if they are a part of our business because those guests are a part of our business. I mean, we've had long stay guests in two of our properties due to the tornado from FEMA. Um, and those people have been on site three to four months. And if you look at our guest reviews, they will tell you that the overall feeling of family inside our properties is like nothing they've ever experienced before. Um, it is just all part of building that brand. And I think where that pays dividends is in, in the current climate when hotel management companies are closing and going under, we have daily, I am approached by other hotel companies saying, will you take on our properties, please? So, wow. so we, we as a management company, are, um, we only manage at the moment our own properties that we own and build, but we've now opened that out. That's the other thing I was brought in to do was open that out to take on third party properties. And it, absolutely, our reputation is now starting to get out that we are the place you bring your hotel if you've struggled with culture and, and revenue. Mm -hmm. And by putting it inside our collection, then actually you get a completely different engagement. So, so you came in, you aligned, uh, you know, you, you decoupled the, the silo, um, the siloed properties, you've created transparency, um, you've offered some great incentive packages to everybody. So you're creating this idea that we, hey, we're all on the same level. What are some of those other things that you've done? I mean, when you talk about uh, customer experience journey, obviously, you know, you want everybody to feel like they are saying hi and that they're treating the mm -hmm. customer as part of that journey. What are some ways that you've done to help create an experience that's the same across the board at the level that you want it to be at? Um, so we, we run case studies on all of our hotels and all of our employees. So we're, we're now doing active recognition through our ERP system. Um, so we have weekly, monthly stories where we, we say, yeah, we talk about somebody and about their life and, and we identify them across the group, not just their hotel. Um, we already had a, a fairly decent recognition structure in place for recognizing um you know, monthly, quarterly employees, employees of the year. Um, and one of, the, one of the, it sounds ridiculous to say this, one of the hardest decisions that we were faced with after we had just shed 300 staff was we had just awarded one of the people that was kept um, employee of the year. And that came with a big cash bonus. It came with some, some stuff. And HR said, what do we do? We've just lost 300 staff. What message does it send if we now give one person a big bonus and say, thanks very much, your employee of the year? And I said, mm -hmm. it sends the message that it doesn't matter whatever happens in this world. When we recognize somebody for excellence, we'll take the money out of our own pockets if we need to, to follow through on our promise of what they get for, for achieving that status. And we did, and we paid out and they got a big cake. And it was again, a very socially distanced, awkward ceremony where we're taking pictures <laughs> from, you know, we can't, you can't even see the cake because they're that far away at that point. This was a, literally, it's COVID. We announced this award at the end of March. And so it was literally the worst possible time. Um, but we, and we, we still put it out through the ERP system and we said to everybody, look, we get that you think this may, be a bit strange that we've done this and we've given this big bonus but we need you to understand that it's not your fault we're in this position and we made promises and we'll keep them mm -hmm. um and by co that constant recognition of cycling out case studies and cycling out people's stories and employees and where they are and what they're doing and how they are within the business and where promotions are happening and we, we kind of i think we enforce um the team's idea that even in the worst of possible times, we will still continue to keep to our word of what we've promised them um, and vice versa, that we expect even in the worst times for them to keep to their word of what they promised us. Um, 
and and yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think we have a, a, an amazing environment to work within, um, both at property level and, and at corporate level, and, and all all mixed in between. And by constantly keeping that recognition and identifying and and showing people that are rising stars in the business, I think it kind of self perpetuates because now people are saying, "Oh, do you know this person is doing this?" and "Do you know this?" and we we've recently taken somebody that that. Um, kind of came into the business and, and had a weird experience and ended up being a surfer instead of a GM and we've recently given her her own property and we regularly cover Steph um, because her property is absolutely uh, just obliterating the previous GM's figures and facts and that's because she feels invested in she feels valued yeah that's, you know um, I'm gonna just jump to um, a conversation that we had previously so um, I apologize segueing this but you had and maybe it's not an awkward segue but you had spoken about your good human movement and I want to make sure mm -hmm. that I give you the opportunity to share that because I think it speaks a lot to the culture for sure um, so, so one of the things that I, I'm kind of a bit of an eco-bod, really, and I hate waste, um, which I don't think is a bad thing. I always think people are going to judge me for that, um, and they're probably in a good way. Um, yeah, and one of the things I identified is that obviously we have a lot of hotels, so we do a lot of pips, we do a lot of renovations, um, we have a lot of kitchens, we have a lot of bathrooms. Um, and when I came into the business, I was kind of saying, okay, so so what are we doing with soap? You know, obviously we have Hilton's and they have a system in place, but what do we do with the other properties oh well, we don't really do anything okay fine let's go and find a soap recycling scheme let's get that in um and let's start looking at minimizing all of that so, so any soap wastage any any cleaning product wastage needs to go to a source that can do something with that to help minimize that in other areas of the world or our country let's look at our food waste what happens with our food waste we have 13 kitchens stuff you know is not going to get used how what do we do with that moment so we basically said to each of the properties right we want to ident we want you to identify charities within your local area a food bank that needs that food um, we want you to identify homeless shelters we want you to identify good causes that need furniture and then every everything inside our property now that we are not going to use that is going to go to waste if we don't find somewhere else for it needs to find a new home um, we need you to find incentives inside your areas that we can have maximum effect with without really it breaking the bank um, and that's been achieved in certain ways by in one area we donate 200 propane tanks a month um, which costs us you know, a couple of hundred dollars but what that does mean is that is enough propane tanks for homeless people within the area um, to cook uh, and to have hot food um, in their various different camps and, and wherever they're sort of sleeping rough they can keep warm um, in the winter and that for me was a major good human incentive to be able to to provide others um, we donate a huge amount of food waste now and i say food waste obviously we, we all know what i mean by food waste you know stuff that is going out of date that we're not going to use um, when we closed down the kitchens um because obviously when covid hit we closed down all of our kitchens we donated every ounce of food whether it was dry goods and could have been kept we just donated everything to charities because we knew that COVID was going to really put hardship on our local communities. So we wanted to do the best thing we could do there. Um, and then with the good humans thing, we, um, every time we do a renovation of a property, now what happens to the furniture? And again, I mean, this furniture is three, four years old and it's industrial grade, high quality furniture. So it's built to last. Um, so we now offer all of that furniture out to our, to our, the hotel staff first 
and it goes in order of lowest paid to highest paid. So the, the people on the lower end of our employment scale can get furniture completely free of charge. They can take what they want. We have big hotels. So we know that our average housekeeper, for instance, could refurnish a three bedroom condo just by taking furniture out that, w- that we are donating or throwing away. Um, wow. So it goes firstly to, our, to, to the internal staff, then it goes to our wider corporate staff, and then whatever's left is donated to charities that will reuse it for homelessness or people that, that are on lower income or people in need. Um, and so we don't waste anything. So we recently replaced, uh, I think, 120 bathrooms and even things like the marble from the tops of the old vanities were donated to charity to be reground into chopping boards and smaller worktops and units and to be reused. Um, because for us, or for, definitely for me, but for us as a business, knowing that we haven't wasted that, that that has gone somewhere else and it has now got a new life with somebody that really needed it, I think just the karma points in that outweigh any financial um, sort of losses. What's cool about that is, you know, when you, I love the part when you were saying that you, you, when you guys turn over one of your, one of your hotels, you're giving the furniture away to employees, employees who are, I think that helps an employee think differently about their job, Mm. right? Like, you know, five years later, if they know, Hey, I've got first dibs on this, they're going to take care of that property in a different way than if they didn't have that. Right. So, wow. What a, what an amazing, what a, what a great way to create an idea of ownership, um, a mentality of ownership that, that your employees probably now have. Yeah. And actually I think as well, if I am an employee and I'm looking at, and again, I mean, our furniture is not cheap. I mean, we, we, although we have mid range hotels, we spend a huge amount. Our our hotels are probably some of the best you'll find in their, in their classes. Um, and we've just refurbed a Hilton garden in, um, and the whole thing has is restoration hardware furniture from, from top to bottom. Um, so the thing is very, very expensive. Um, and the furniture we're, that, that we're donating is, you know, thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And, and you're right. I think an employee looks at that and says, well, actually, I know we've got a pip coming in three years and that stuff's going. I'm going to really look after that now because I want first dibs on that. Right. You know? Right. It's, exactly. we, we have enough to go around. I mean, our average properties, you know, we know that, that, that the people that, and, and again, it's really bizarre. You think that that would create a bun fight. Like you'd have everybody diving in. You really don't like, like it's bizarre. We sent out the spreadsheet for Hilton Garden into the team and said, right, this is everything. There's like, there's like a hundred mirrors. There's a hundred vanities. There's a hundred this, there's a hundred that. There's showers. There's all this bedroom furniture. There's all this lounge furniture. Um, and we just expected like three or four people just to put their name against 40 things. And we said, you know, be, be sensible. And they don't. They have the conversation in the break room amongst them. Who needs what most? And then they share it accordingly. It it, it creates such an amazing vibe. Um, And I think it helps the team members bond with each other because they know everybody, everybody is helping everybody and nobody is just in it for themselves. Um, And so I think by proxy, not only do you become a good human, you automatically create kind of like a, a ripple of that where everybody else just wants to be that bit much better to everybody around them. Um, and it's and it's an amazing movement. I mean, I've been a fan of it for for a long time. So, to put it into practice here, where it's made such an amazing difference is, and again, we have a, another pit coming up shortly. And you know, everybody's like, "Cool, okay, so we're going to do the same thing then." Absolutely, that's great, Rich. Um, let me ask you a, 
something. When we spoke, um, you spoke about um, how you support your leadership team. So as we sort of go into the close of this um, podcast, I'd, I was hopeful that you could share a story of how you source and uh, your leaders and, and how you support them. And I'm asking that question because you're starting to grow. So <laughs> people are going to want to um, know that. <laughs> so, so I'm a huge fan of inward promotion. Um, I think we have an amazing talent pool um, within our businesses. Um, and I always like to kind of inner promote wherever we can. Um, I try and bring in, when we look at sourcing leadership, I try and bring in from groups with similar ethoses and from similar divisions. Um, I think at a corporate level, it's easy to, to go out, and, and especially, I mean, in, in the current climate, I mean, there are thousands of, of amazing people looking for work. So I don't doubt it's going to be very easy to, to, to source amazing people. Um, but I think, but by looking to bring in people that are already within the culture, already have the values that we are installing inside our business, we can ensure that continues to grow. Um, our corporate team is very focused. So we have a, a monthly meeting with heads of department, from, which again is something that's quite unusual, but we have everybody, so from facilities to construction, because we obviously build hotels, we have a, a team head from on that, on all of those calls uh, and all of those meetings. And again, we actively ask, across you know okay so we're looking for this within this side of the business does anybody have a contact who we think matches what we're looking for when we're recruiting out let's involve different departments in that so we don't just have housekeeping recruited by by gms we have other departments come in because we want to make sure that those values are being installed across all levels and, and again that seems to mean that we get an amazing amazing recruitment structure in for, for new hires can you uh, share with us the story uh, when you were having breakfast one morning, how that yeah, sure. came into play? Um, so, so, um, so we had, um, I was having breakfast in, in one of our properties one morning and I was chatting to a server, uh, which is the lady that I hinted about earlier. Um, and I was kind of, and we were just engaging really. And, and I love talking to everybody. I, I want everybody in the business to feel like they can have an open conversation with me. Um, and I kind of said to her, you know, what, what made you do this? And she said, well, you know, I, I used to be a GM for you. And I was like, really? And you're, now you're serving coffee. I'm confused. Like, how did that happen? And she kind of told me this story, the fact that the, the previous GM, or, the, or it was the, the current GM at that point, um, had felt that she'd kind of abandoned us by, by moving um, to be a GM of a different property and that hadn't worked out. She hadn't liked the environment there, so she wanted to come back to us. She came back and he was kind of punishing her by leaving her in this lower server's role. It's bizarre. You just can't make yourself up. Um, and was kind of making her work off her, her penance, as it were. Um, <clears throat> and I said, that's fine. Um, so I, prom I, I kind of checked her record. We, we checked that everything she told me was true. And so I promoted her immediately to, a G to interim GM, gave her one of my properties and said, right, knock yourself out and find the GM of that property immediately. Um, it was just the worst possible um, dereliction of duty, I can think, is to take somebody who is significantly qualified, has worked for your business for a number of years, has proven loyalty, couldn't exceed, couldn't excel because there was no place for them to excel to. And so when they go and try and make that pass somewhere else and it just doesn't feel right and they come back to you, to put them in a position where they are suffering financially um, and you are not utilizing that talent 
inside the business is shameful. Um, and we kind of made a bit of a thing about that internally and just said, look, this will not be tolerated. Like if we find anybody else anywhere in the business doing this, <clears throat> that is what we do. Um, we support growth. We support um, people that support us and it won't be tolerated. And that in itself had a massive shift overnight. And it's really bizarre. She's doing amazing things with that property. It's significantly um, more profitable than it was before she went into it. Um, and to think that we had somebody serving coffee for four months that should never have been in that position. It just baffles me. So, well, so, that, you know. that really speaks to uh, company culture. I'm sure there was a ripple effect mm. from that as well, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and immediately people of all levels feel so much more valued. Yeah. Experience matters yeah. and they know that you can never have you can you can never have your business in a position where one person has the ability to create that situation it just it just cannot be and if you are within a business where you have enabled that then shame on you yeah, that 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 rests solely with the c suite and the senior team there you should be able to identify everybody in your organization and you know i don't profess to know 120 people's names um i wish i did i really wish i could do that and when we're at 300 absolutely but what i can say is to any c-suite person um if you are walking around one of your properties and you do not engage with every employee then shame on you because you are not finding out who you've got and you are relying on one person who's managing that property to give you the information you need to be profitable and that is open to to um manipulation should we say mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. need to make sure that you're regularly policing that you know there's uh there's a lean principle called go to gemba and go to gemba means rather than learning about the problem in the upchain go to gemba means to go in look and see and mm. i think you've you know it's it's applied to processes but you've applied that to people you've got to go to your properties, you've got to see your properties, you've got to see the people inside of your properties. Um, I think when we first chatted on the phone, you were sharing an experience with your marketing team and mm. using this same uh, mentality of going and seeing and experiencing for yourself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is, is nobody within the organization should tell you that they have a problem if they haven't been inside the property. So, so the marketing team is a classic example. Don't tell me you don't understand why occupancy and revenue is down when you've never even been to the property. You, you cannot, you know, I, I don't run businesses where the CCs sit in an ivory tower and never go on site and get their hands dirty. I expect everybody to go on site. I expect everybody to understand what we are marketing, what we have, what the issues are. We have amazing properties. And when I came into the business, I was given this list of, of oh, this is why yeah, we're at 80%, 75, 80% of, uh, of property. And 90% of the property's this, the property's that, and then there. And you go around and you go, this is nonsense. You've just never even been to the property, have you? You don't even know what you're marketing. You don't even know there's this massive shopping center opposite it, and you don't do any marketing for it. That would probably explain why we're there. So, so kind of that's been adjusted. And, and again, unfortunately, due to COVID, we lost a lot of our sales and marketing team, and we're recruiting new in now. And that emphasis is being put in at the very start. You, know, you are expected to travel. You are expected to go on these properties at least once a quarter. I'm expecting you to touch base with GMs. I'm expecting you to have monthly meetings remotely with them to understand where you are and what's going on and what events are happening. And it's important that you utilize that property to ensure you're marketing correctly. Mm -hmm. Great. This has been, this has been fantastic. Yeah, thank you, Rich. This One is... try. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm excited to check in with you again, you know, a year from now to see this momentum that you're building. Uh, I've learned a lot about how to lead a positive culture and appreciate you coming on. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. And, and I'm always open for anybody to connect. Obviously, I'm guessing I'll smash my LinkedIn on this somewhere. So anybody that's listening wants to connect and have a conversation, I'm more than happy to. Um, I, I'm not one of these people that think that I need to keep this to myself because that's my competitive edge. I think if we were all doing this as businesses, we would have such a nicer industry to work in and such a better world to live in um, that I'm cool to share. That's great. Thank you, Rich. That's uh, no problem at all. I love leaving on that note. <laughs> You're cool to share. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot.